0: In everyone to a very special whisper in the wings from Stage Whisper. We are going global on today's episode and crossing the pond to the beautiful UK, where we are being joined today by the actor Martin Seriel. He's part of the show You Dot Me, the Complete Musical, which is launching on February 21st at BBC World Services, BBC Sounds, YouTube, and podcast providers. You can get more information by visiting bbcworldservices.com slash musical. This new show is incredible. It's guest narrated by Stephen Fry. And I shouldn't just say performing Martin Sariel. He is one of the stars of the show. So we're so excited to have him on our show. Let's welcome in on Martin Serial. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Hi. very happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today, all the way from beautiful England. I was going to say sunny England, but I'm not so sure you're getting sun today, but- No, not today. On the show with me. (laughs) Considering (laughs) what the weather's been like. But we're not here to talk about weather. We're here to talk about this great new musical that is debuting on several platforms, including the BBC World Service and BBC Sounds. You taught me, Complete musical this time, too. And I'm just a little bit I've read. This sounds so amazing. Can we start by having you tell us a bit about you dot me, the complete musical?
1: Absolutely. So you dot me is a an audio radio drama slash musical commissioned by the BBC World Service and basically it kind of took shape around maybe twenty twenty one when it first started all coming together. And it was a story that Simon Pitts, the commissioner for the BBC World Service, had actually thought of about doing a story that could speak on the issues in real time about what we were going through globally, which was obviously the global pandemic at the time, and using the story of two characters finding love, you know, outside of their sort of immediate surroundings and how using that love story to explore the many issues that what a lot of people might be going through which is perhaps feelings of isolation feelings of loneliness and i think ultimately what we try to do with the project is to to shed light on those issues and to also bring some joy to people through one of the most visceral mediums which is obviously through storytelling through drama and
0: through some incredible music. That is wonderful. Oh, this sounds so good. So relatable too. I I am finally getting comfortable with being this far past the bulk of the pandemic to start to look back and be like, all right, we can start evaluating what we went through, you know, rather than mm-hmm. on the other side, breathing heavily, looking back and being like, what was that?
1: I know, you know, yeah.
0: So how did you come to working on the first part of the musical that was released during the pandemic? And then how do you feel about the complete version being released soon here on February 21st?
1: Well, it's really exciting because I think obviously due to the nature of the show, I I don't want to obviously speak for Theo and Simon and maybe get certain things wrong. But I assume that things were put together quite quickly because obviously the subject matter is something that we were living in, I think, maybe just less than a year into the first year of the pandemic. So... It was all it wasn't something that everyone's heard been that had been in the works for a while it was just something that came along to me in the beginning of in January 2021 and there were so many things when I first you know got that email from my agent about this project that really drew me to it because there were so many elements that I thought were so enticing one as I said earlier was the The idea of of being on a global platform, considering that BBC World Service reaches, you know, an audience worldwide and not just specifically in the UK or in America, it's for everyone in the planet. I thought that was a really enticing um, element uh, of, of the of the project. Second of all, it was a story. And like I said, it was something that was discussing the issues we were going through in real time we were all living through the pandemic so it was something that was that I knew and working on it for the on the first part that we, we it did evolve as it as it as we were recording it because things were changing constantly and we weren't sure there was so much uncertainty and so it kind of took on many forms in the process of recording it and and that for me was quite exciting to work on something that is not necessarily a classic that someone has written decades ago and having a new take on it, it was literally a living, breathing thing. And of course, you know, the people attached to the project was something that was incredibly alluring. I mean, you've got, you've got people like Steve Levine, who's a massive music producer, who's going to be working on producing the music and he's worked with culture club. You know, he's been in, he's worked with all these musical legends and Stephen Fry (laughs) Who's a bit of a national treasure is going to be narrating it, and and also Simon, Simon and Theo, the team between uh, of Simon and, and and Theo. Theo, I actually worked with for the first time maybe just about seven years prior to that point of me receiving the email. He was the assistant music director of of Here Lies Love when I when we were doing that show with the National, so that's when I first met Theo, and I've always liked Theo and we got on really well because we were both we're both big Arrested Development fans. <laughs> so we would quote that show a lot. So, you know, it was nice to be like, oh, I might get to work with Theo again, potentially. And, you know, have be around, be around as an incredible zany energy, which is always really good fun. So, yeah, there were lots of elements that that, that drew me to it. But I guess, yeah, it was kind of the in, in answer to response to your question. It was kind of the traditional roots of just my agent told me about it.
0: That is a wonderful, wonderful backstory there. I love <laughs> great name drops in there. We love that. <laughs> Especially Arrested Development. Who doesn't love that show? I mean, just say Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to build on your answer because you sort of mm. mentioned it, but what has it been like developing the musical for the BBC World Service? You know, you mentioned yeah. love the fact that it's very accessible, not just for people, obviously, in the UK, but people around the world. So, Yes. Yeah. What has that been like developing the musical for them? I mean, it's it was the first. So it's interesting to talk about
1: the complete musical because it was two different like sets of pro, like experiences and processes. Because we the part one, the way we did part one was very different to. Well, there were similarities, but it was also quite different to how we did part two. Because when we recorded part one, it was in the midst of I think the third national lockdown we had in this country. We couldn't really be in the same room together. The whole thing was done quite remotely, including the BBC Orchestra that worked on it, the BBC Philharmonic. Yeah. So obviously, with this, with, a, with an orchestra meaning consisting of musicians on a large scale. I was like how is that going to work if we all you know create this together remotely but yeah so the difference what the, the, there was a bit of a difference between the two the two parts the first part was very much me and Anushka Lucas who plays Rose who was the other lead character in in the production we were sent material and then we were we had these separate rehearsals, which we worked with an amazing music director, Jennifer White, in a in a studio somewhere, just one-to-one, because we were trying to reduce the number of people there were in a room. And even then, I think we had to be really careful not being too close to each other and just sort of speaking, projecting over the room to each other. It was very strange times. So we would were, we were learn the music separately. And then I think we only got to meet each other for the first time. We got to meet each other once and rehearse together once before we went into the studio to record the thing. So it all happened very quickly because, like I mentioned before, things could change and things were still developing. So even in the recording process, things would, would change and there would be new lyrics or new melodies or things would get cut or put put in or so yeah it was very exciting because you never you could prepare to a certain extent but you, you you still had to just sort of be very open to the idea that you're going to get something that day and you try and you know learn it and and sing it in the best way and, and play it the best way you can and then the second part of the of the of the U. me musical was slightly different this would have been in this would have been last year early last year so some normalcy back in the world in the UK, things are pretty much how how it, like it used to be in terms of the, there isn't any sort of imposed social distancing or, or mask wearing or COVID tests beforehand before you enter a space. So we actually got to spend a little more time together, even though it was still all happening quite quickly. So we still kind of rehearsed. We were still working on the material and preparing it separately and then we all the entire cast got to meet together one one morning slash afternoon and then we went to the studio to record it and i believe the bbc philharmonic when they were recording the first part every single musician did it remotely i don't know how those incredible engineers and producers put everything together but that must have been quite a task because i don't know how many musicians in separate tracks they had to look after but yeah, that was what I heard had happened. The second part, I believe, was recorded collectively as as a, as a philharmonic collective. So yeah, there were some differences between the two. But I guess the, the the one common similarity between the two is that it was quite, it was all the recording process was was in quite quick successions uh, because things were changing so much. So we were creating in in real time for both parts. Yeah, I think I think that was. That kind of sums it up.
0: That is incredible. I mean, talk about the ultimate pandemic show right there. That project. I I can't even imagine doing the full, you know, BBC Philharmonic via Zoom. Oh my gosh, that Yeah. individually, that is, it's hard enough just to do two tracks right here to edit and just Philharmonic orchestra. Hats off to those audio engineers. That's amazing. I
1: know. I think Steve definitely was a huge part in in overseeing all of those uh, many intricate elements. And I do want to say as well that Steve was was working remotely on the first part because he's based in Liverpool. And the second part, he was actually in the studio with us. So, you know, he was this figure on a screen for so long that we find it was very nice to... You know, just be around him and be around in very lovely, infectious energy, and just to have that input directly. You know, and and it just it it's it, it can't you just can't re- replace and replicate certain things as 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 advanced technology is.
0: Absolutely. So, what message or thought are you hoping the audiences will walk away from the complete musical now that they can listen mm. to It's
1: so interesting because I. I I was just going through, this is, you know, it has been a little while since since I've worked on this. So I had to kind of remind myself what, what exactly what all the components were. And, and I just wanted to be as familiar as I can with the story again. And what was so what's really stood out to me is that there's a real strong message about overcoming fears, whether they're self-imposed, whether they're imposed upon you by your outside circumstances, whether they're imposed upon you by family. There's a real strong message of overcoming fears, overcoming obstacles, self-imposed obstacles, overcoming, what's the word, inhibitions that you put on yourself in the fight for your own happiness. Both characters, Rio and Rose, I think the circumstances of how they met was not feeling very misplaced in the world. And with the pandemic as the backdrop, it just sort of elevated that a lot more. And they are also two characters that feel like they perhaps have been burdened by family responsibilities, which is another thing that they found so much comfort in each other and understanding in each other. And I think the message, yeah, the message of 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 taking risks and and being brave and fighting for your own happiness really stood out to me. And I, at least, so for me to work on this project, I hope that translates to to the audience in the world.
0: That is a fabulous message. I love that. Mm. I'm gonna ask an unusual question. I don't normally ask, but I'm really curious to know because of the, the story that's told, the way it's told, can you tell us a little bit about your character and the journey that he takes? Of course.
1: So Rio is a a web designer that works, that is originally from San Francisco. He's from a Japanese-American family. And just before the pandemic, he moves to Tokyo to live with his friends. And I think you see as the show unfolds, as a story unfolds in the show, that There are many reasons why he decides to to move away, and it's he's definitely on this process of finding himself and finding exactly what he wants and who he wants to be. And he's, I think he's a very open-hearted character. I think he's a very open-hearted young man, and he definitely wears his heart on his sleeve. He's very earnest, not you know unlike me at all. (laughs) Um, i he's he's very open about certain things about his passions about what he loves and he cares a lot about his his friends but he still has he still has certain struggles and I think as I mentioned earlier those inhibitions and, and obstacles he puts upon himself of feeling like he's got to be fulfill family duties fulfill or, or to be this person that is able to provide in a conventional safe way And yeah, I think that those pressures from society, from his family are definitely something he feels constantly. So he's looking for. He's definitely looking for change in his life. And I think through meeting Rose, he's able to she's able to open up his world a lot more. And without giving too much away, he there are some there are some situations both, you know, incredibly exciting and joyful and some events that are quite heavy that is going to put him on this path of of becoming the person that he wants to be
0: i love that i i sort of got a sense of that in reading Mm -hmm. the synopsis that was sent to me it reminded me a lot of into the woods where part (laughs) one i was like oh yeah okay this is a and then part two i was like wait (laughs) Hey, <laughs> why did we have to bring the real part back in, you know? So I really like that that journey yeah. that you're describing.
1: I try to be as vague as possible without giving too much away. Just because, <laughs> exactly. you know, I don't, no, I don't no, want any spoilers. Yeah,
0: Lure me and make me watch this and <laughs> feel all the feels. Yes. How is part one different from part two? Part one, yeah, well, the things we talk about are very different.
1: Once again, I I don't want to give too much away, but I would say part one is very much we're introduced to these two characters, Rose and Rio, and we see, I would say a huge focus on part one is seeing that relationship grow and seeing the the process of, of these two characters overcoming certain things and perhaps taking a risk to in each other. I won't say how it ends because part two picks up on part one how how the the ending of part one and it it, it tells, well, uh, it's a continuation in a sense of of part one, but the focus shifts slightly. So I guess there are, are sort of two layers to to the story. One is obviously this exciting potential relationship between two people that live on different sides of the world, one in, one in London and one in Tokyo. It's not Tokyo, sorry. It's Kyoto. I I got it wrong. I'm afraid uh, I will correct myself. Yes. So two characters that find love in two different parts of the world—one in London and one in Kyoto. Yeah. So I think I think that's one of the, the the sort of subplots, if you will, or one of the one of the driving stories. And then the other one is two characters living in the global pandemic and seeing things change because the the. The story starts in the very beginning of, of the lockdown. So there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of confusion as to when it's going to end, what's going to happen, things are changing around me, what does that mean? Will I get to see my loved ones? Will Is this a temporary thing? And we're, if it's temporary, how long? What sort of plans could we make? So I think for two characters that are that are feeling isolated in more sense than one, that is also a big driving force for the other story, which is the love story. So I would say that's part one. Part two is set in 2023, so post pandemic. But just because we are out of it doesn't necessarily mean the particular struggles of these two characters have ended as well what was set up in part one in terms of the, the, I guess, certain traumas that the characters have with their families are dealt with with a bigger focus on the second part. The second part takes a, a much deeper look into Rose as a character. It's gonna be, you're gonna see, you're gonna meet a lot more of Rose's family members and Rose, even though she comes out of the pandemic, there are still a lot of still a lot of obstacles she has to face, and you will find out what they are and how she overcomes them in this in the second part.
0: <laughs> Without giving too much away, there's the clip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. How cool is it that Stephen Fry is the narrator? What what is that like? How what is it like knowing that he's going to be the narrator for the show?
1: You know what's so interesting? I to over the pandemic, I was working uh, as a teaching assistant for an SCN school in South London. It's a school with, for children that have special educational needs. And the kids that I was sort of working with were, all had visual impairments. And obviously with people that have visual impairments, TV or reading is not necessarily, they don't have the same experience as as people that could, that have vision would have, uh, it's, it's a very different experience for them in terms of hobbies and, le- and leisure. Like, you know, they don't watch TV or go to the cinema. It's, 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 it's a slightly different, it's a different life for them. But the one person that is very, that is an absolute rock star for these kids is Stephen Fry because he is the narrator of a lot of audio books that they really enjoy. And obviously a huge one for them is the Harry Potter series and Stephen Fry is the narrator for that. So I'm not going to lie, when I first found out that Stephen Fry, when I got the job and that Stephen Fry was going to be a part of it, I was very excited because I was like, I can't wait to show these kids who's <laughs> going to like open, you know, basically be the voice of the, of, of the show. And uh, needless to say, I was right. I, I want particular kid from that i don't work that, at that school anymore but i still sort of keep in touch with one of the kids that that goes there and i see him occasionally just because uh, he really likes music and sometimes we just his mom asks me to go to to visit him and and just play some music together and he was very excited uh when he when he heard Stephen fry open be, be the opening voice of of the show and he's very much looking forward to part two he knows he knows it's coming so yeah that for me was very special and obviously you know he's he's an icon and he, he has he is one of the most recognizable in, in, in for me one of the most recognizable voices one of the most recognizable faces uh, you know human beings so uh, it's it's not every day you you, you, you you've worked with him you know, even though we, we all recorded our thing separately, it, it, I, I still, you know, that still counts in my mind.
0: That is incredible. And I, I can just, I can hear his voice now from the Harry Potter mm-hmm. series. And that's going to be amazing to pair with this great story. Absolutely, yeah. The other person I want to ask about, of course, is what has it been like working with Anushka Lucas as Rose? Yeah, it, it's incredible
1: because I, I didn't know Anushka... Before and have and now a huge fan and have seen her in pretty much everything she's been in since. Yeah, I, and and she is just incredible. Like she, she wears so many hats. And if you ever get a chance to talk to her, like please ask her about her very intricate, you know, list of of things that she's done because she's a songwriter. She's a she's a musician who I think she's mentioned before that she fell into acting completely by accident and she's you know so good at it that it's just incredible that she's able to do all of these things so well. So yeah, she it was incredible working with her. She's got an incredible sense of humor, very intelligent. We so it was very nice to sort of spend time in you know <laughs> those those hours in the recording booth with each other and because you get to know each other very quickly, and obviously we're playing Rose and Rhea, two people that fall in love. So we had to sort of just be very open to the process and very open to the to, to the characters and the storytelling. And it was wonderful having her as 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 a love interest. We actually have quite a lot in common as well as we got talking. Her her dad is a I believe it is a drummer. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Anushka. If you ever look into this, But he's definitely a musician, and my dad's a drummer as well. So we both grew up in in very musical families, so we have that in common. I remember, I think she was talking about certain books and mus- and musicians that she was really into that I also w- was very fond of. So we have a lot we have a lot in common, and yeah, it was it was wonderful working with her and and to to get to work with her twice, you know, it was to to have to continue the the journey of of these two characters was was a was a very wonderful surprise.
0: I love that. I love hearing co-stars talk about the other co-stars just the way that you are. It's so <laughs> more of that. What a great team.
1: Yeah, they've really assembled a really nice group of people. Very lucky.
0: Well, my final question for this first part is, who do you hope will respond to the show when both parts are released on February 21st?
1: I guess with the platform it's on, it's it's such a, it's a global platform. I guess the whole world ha- has a chance to listen to it. So the bigger the reach, I guess, the better. And I just, I would hope everyone would like, would, would enjoy the show. I hope not just people that are fans of, of, of musicals or radio dramas or of Stephen Fry. I hope people that just enjoy a good story, enjoy a good message, enjoy something that I, you know, this, for me, seemed was was quite groundbreaking. It's not necessarily something i've I've heard have been done before. definitely, with the scale of the the BBC Philharmonic recording everything remotely uh, and churning out these these tunes in real time was definitely something i I wasn't familiar with. So hopefully people would find that quite refreshing. There aren't that many musicals about the pandemic out there that I know of. So obviously it's quite a, a a dark and perhaps the subject matter some people are like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Completely understandable. But if if that's if the pandemic, but it's like I said, it's not necessarily just about coronavirus or the pandemic. It's about two people finding love and two people finding joy. And that's, you know, not just with with each other, it's within themselves, it's with the environment around them is with their own lives and being and finding joy in in truly taking agency of their lives and being who they see themselves and who they really want to be. So I hope that that's a, a universal, universally relatable message. So I do, I do want the world, regardless of your age, you know, of of whatever ethnic background, gender identity, sexual identity, whoever, I I hope everyone listens to it.
0: Second part of our interview, we love letting our listeners get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I would love to start with our regular first question, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers or shows in the past have inspired you or just some of your favorites?
1: Oh, my God. This is a huge question. This is going to be a long list. and It's going to be people that just come (laughs) get ready. God, there's so many people that inspire me, but I do have to say, first and foremost, like my family is a huge inspiration. Like I said earlier, my dad's a musician. My mum is not a musician, but she she really appreciates music and and theatre and and you know the performing arts. So I those they they're definitely two of my biggest inspirations because. It's not every actor may find themselves in a family with parents that support their decisions or support their ambitions to go into this path, but they've they've been supportive since day one. So I know I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful that I have their unconditional love and support in that sense. So they're two big inspirations. not oh, playwrights, so many directors. I think the only way I can go about this is just to talk about what I've seen recently that I I thought was absolutely incredible and and uh, and you know as is, is worked on by people that I really admire I just saw earlier this year uh, was it this year yes the Sunset Boulevard by Jamie Lloyd I don't know anything about Sunset Boulevard my musical theatre knowledge i to my shame is is actually quite limited to so Forgive me, listeners, and please school me if you can. But I knew nothing about Sunset Boulevard. I just heard It's it's a very iconic show. And, you know, a lot of people have worked on it. And it's one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's big ones. And so I walked in knowing nothing. And I was instantly blown away by the music, by the performances, and the, and the, the way Jamie Lloyd put it together. I've seen his other plays. I saw The Seagull that he did. And I saw his Cyrano de Bergerac. And he has such a, an interesting way to work to stage things so minimally, but still make it really effective and in, in very unexpected ways. You would think listening to the music of Sunset Boulevard, it's so grand and, and you, know, you, you have all these images of like old Hollywood. And then when I saw it, literally it was a bare stage and maybe like a video screen. And that was pretty much it with no props, barely any. And I thought, if you're able to tell that story, in that scale, you, you're you an incredibly exciting artist, and I am definitely, he's definitely on my vision board. I don't know if anyone out there is into vision boarding, but I am, and I'm all about manifesting, so he's he's definitely up there. I was very fortunate to work with with this director on a show called Tammy Faye in 2022, but I would love to work with Rupert Gold again. He has such, he's, such, he's got such incredible ideas and it, you can you can see how consistently creative he is throughout all his productions and he's really just so good at like diving into texts as well uh, so i have love to work with him he really inspires me there's an actor called will sharp who's who was in white lotus the season season two of white lotus he is such an incredible actor really good writer and director as well love to work with him he really inspires me as well and and I think, you know, definitely has a career that I aspire to have. Donald Glover is a huge, huge inspiration. Loved Atlanta. And yeah, his career path is another one that was like, oh, man, his projects are so exciting. And who else? I re- I'm a huge fan of Kristen Wiig. I love Kristen Wake. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of that era of SNL. I, I love comedy in general. So to this day, I still quote her many sketches. And I think uh, my sort of, I don't want to say I, I, I I I filter out people in that sense but if I meet someone and we have the potential to be friends I usually kind of throw in there some 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 at least Kristen Wig esque humor and if they get it I'm like okay great I think we we're going to be fine and if we don't then unfortunately we might not be so compatible but yeah those are those are the ones I can think of at the moment a list of many others I'm sure but those are my. Those are the forefront of my mind.
0: I love that. It's taking everything in me not to pull my shirt up and just, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> about your answer. In true Christmas mm-hmm. Wig style. I'm with you on that. That's wonderful list. Wonderful list of, of Good, thank questions. Thank you. And it now leads to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I've been very
1: fortunate to have lots of wonderful theatre memories, both having both as a, as a spectator and both as someone working in the industry. But I was thinking about this the other day, and that's once again because I'm currently putting together my 2024 vision board. I did a play in 2022, and I don't know if that many people have seen it because it was in Liverpool, and it was a brand-new play written by an incredible writer called Chloe Moss, and it was the first play that, under the new direction of, of this incredible director, who also directed the play called Holly, Race, Rowan, and the company's Headlong Theatre, which Rupert used to run, Rupert Gould used to run, and they 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 have an emphasis on really exciting new writing and also new takes on classic theater, classic plays. So together we worked on this play called Karina, Karina, and it was about seafarers and the the seafaring industry and which is not necessarily doesn't sound perhaps that exciting on paper but we were looking specifically into the into the specific character who was one of the first few women working on 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 a on a cruise ship sorry yeah on a cruise ship and it was inspired by this story where a really horrible story of how this one particular female uh, crew member was sexually abused and killed. And that sparked a lot of ideas of what exactly, what is that world like for a woman? And I think through that particular news story, Chloe was able to find so many other things in her research about the injustice of, of, of that system, of how when you're out there at sea, laws and and what you can get away with becomes very blurred and becomes very muddy and the you know when you're tackling issues of patriarchy and of racism as well because a huge part of the lower debt crews happen to be filipino workers so with that we and the 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 sort of higher ranks tend to be white european men that work on these ships so then we we it sort of sparked this incredible story of this one woman who goes on the ship and sort of what happens on that ship uh, because she bumps into someone that she has a past with and working on that was a huge theater highlight for me because it was an opportunity for me to to familiarize myself with something i wasn't familiar with the story was so meaningful to me because it it tackled once again like you dot me really specific issues that are happening right now in the world or were happening at the time because you know we a huge percentage of all of our goods come from ships and there's this huge part of this process that is so horrifying out there in the world and i feel like not enough is being done about the imbalance and the corruption that happens on these ships. So that was a huge, I've, that was a huge memorable job for me, because one, I was able to tap into something that I I, I was able to do this incredible research and to, to hopefully make something very meaningful. And two, I was able to, I was playing a character that was Filipino, and I'm part Filipino. And any opportunity for me to kind of delve deeper into my my sort of heritage is is always wonderful. And I don't speak filipino or Tagalog, the language in the show i had to learn quite a few words and then and, you know really work on the accent to make it as authentic as possible and yeah that was just that was it and and i say what, what not a lot of people might have seen it because it was a very short run even though the rehearsal was over maybe just over a month because we were really trying to put in as much detailed work as possible but yeah all the people i've met on there i'm still really close with because we, I think we collectively we knew it was something quite special. So, yeah, that was a huge, huge theatre highlight for me. And I, I, even though there might not be a future life for, for that particular production, the play text is out there. So I highly encourage people out there to give it a read. It's an incredible play. And I think maybe perhaps for any future Fi- Filipino drama school students or, or aspiring Filipino actors that are looking for monologues or speeches that have characters that reflect who they are. I'm so grateful that there now is a play text that is able to do that. So yeah, lots of, lots of special memories, lots of highlights in, in one particular experience, in one particular job, which is, which is
0: that one. I love, it. what incredible memories right there. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. That's so wonderful. You're so welcome. As we wrap things up, I'm curious to know, are there any other projects or productions you have coming down the pipeline that we can plug for you? Yes. Oh, God. This is tricky because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say.
1: sometimes. I can sort of drop hints and people might be able to put the two and two together. I don't know if that helps. But obviously, I've got you.me that coming out on the 21st of February and people who might have heard the first part before there's going to be a a new brand new part two that no one's heard. So please tune in to see where the journey and where the story and how it continues because it might not be the way you expect it to continue. So definitely tune in and find out what what happens to to Rose and Rio. And I've got something coming out on Netflix, a new season of a very popular period drama (laughs) coming out on Netflix in may and that's all i'll say for now because i'm worried that the the snipers from netflix are are around (laughs) are listening and watching and waiting
0: well listen that's a great lead in to our final question because sounds like we've got things to stay tuned for and my final question is if our listeners want more information about you dot me or about you maybe they'd like to reach out to you how can they do so
1: oh sure yes so you dot me is going to be on the bbc world service so i think the best way to get more information is to go on the bbc world service website and you know i'm sure if you type in bbc world service you dot me our website is live right now and, and there's a brand new trailer for to promote both parts the complete musical as a, as a as one singular package and you can find out more if you like to find out more about the story and it's going to come out on on bbc sounds which i think currently is only available in the uk but it will be on youtube as well i've been told and it'll be on um, streaming platforms i believe so yeah we're going to try and and, and reach as many people and as we could on as many different in many different yeah, in, in many different on many different platforms as we can. I there's an Instagram. I have an Instagram page. If you like to to follow me, <laughs> I'm not massive on. Well, I, I'm a, I definitely go on social media a lot. but I'm not very good at posting stuff, but I'm trying to get better at it. So if you'd like to follow me, it, I, my handle is Martin Sarial. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-S-A-R-R-E-A-L underscore. So my full name, underscore, and you find me on Instagram. Wonderful.
0: Well, Martin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It has been an absolute blast. I can't wait to hear the complete musical when it comes out on the 21st. But I just appreciate you taking the time today to speak with me. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. Such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. My guest today has been the actor who stars in the upcoming musical You Dot Me Martin Seriel. The complete musical You Dot Me is launching on February 21st at BBC World Service, BBC Sounds, YouTube and podcast providers. And you can get more information by logging on to bbcworldservice.com slash musical. As Martin mentioned, there's a new trailer available, so make sure you check that out. And also, if you want to stay tuned to all the things that Martin has coming up, including a certain show on Netflix, you can do so by following him on social media at martinsariel underscore. And we'll have all this information posted on our episode description as well as on our social media post. But make sure february twenty first you are tuned in wherever you're at, either on BBC World Service, BBC Sounds, YouTube, or whatever podcast provider you use for the launching of you dot me, the Complete Musical. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. speech whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at StageWhisperPod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at StageWhisperPod
1: at gmail.com.
0: And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more